never know where life is going to take you. Some people know exactly where they want to be and go for it full throttle. Others just stumble upon it organically, and then there are those who just follow their intuition. This is a podcast about reaching your personal best through resilience, motivation, and passion. This is Mark My Words. So today on Mark My Words, I have a woman on the show who has had very strong convictions about women's empowerment and women's rights from a very early age. And I'm kind of just going off her website a little bit here. It has shaped her from a young age to stand, rise, speak up, advocate, demand, equal space, time, respect, voice, pay, and access, which I think are amazing things to stand for. And on top of that, just to get into a little fun, with my guest Susan Trippy today. She also likes walking the trails near the Sudbury, her Sudbury home, Nacho Night Margaritas, which I'm also a huge fan of, board games and hanging out with friends who doesn't love that, cupcakes and Trader Joe's Dunkers, movie and pizza night on a Friday night, which who have a movie night any night, Organic wellness and cruelty skin care, cruelty free skin care, I should say. Broadway and theater, which I can't wait for Broadway to open up and travel anytime, anyplace, anywhere. It's Susan Trippy, women's empowerment coach. How are you doing today, Susan? I am doing well. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm very happy to have you on tonight. I know we uh, had a little bit of a delay on this, and now we are finally here. And even had even more of a delay, because I really wanted to get that opening right. I love a creative opening, and that's how I roll. But, Great job. You did a good job. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's kind of, I appreciate that. It's kind of the downside of being up for like such a long period of time. So... Now that I'm rolling and I got through that, now I'm good. No more restarts. <laughs> I've been there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> With the restarts on the videos, yep. No worries. We're good. <laughs> I've, I've actually only had to do that one other time. It was like the first episode I did with somebody. I Even though I knew that person very well, Scott Stoltz, <laughs> I was still pretty nervous about doing it. Because I was like, oh, man, I'm, you know, I'm really putting myself out there with this. So mm-hmm. I, I was a little nervous. But once I got through a few, I have just been all good. Tonight is just, brain is just totally fried. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple of times where I have just been in the middle of a giggle fest. And I just, once you start laughing and you can't stop. And so it's like 10 takes later, we're trying to get through the opening and I'm just, still hysterically cracking up with some stupid thing that we talked about or joked about before we went live. So I get it. <laughs> well, is it good or bad that I didn't cause that tonight? <laughs> it, the night is still early, Mark. We're still in the early stages of this conversation. That, so who knows? <laughs> that we are. So I am trying to think of where I want to start here. So why don't we go ahead and start with basically, so your passion for women's empowerment started at a very young age, and I love the story that you laid down, and I plagiarized more or less some of this for my opening, which hopefully will be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to just hear more, because one thing about me is that I'm always looking for where good the passion really come from and a lot of people I've had on this show obviously started like in one place and had one passion and then 
as life goes on, they develop what they're doing today. Mm -hmm. And they all have an interesting story with that. But you, you clearly had a passion for this. What do you think really got you started on this passion? There, this is a great question. And to tell you the truth, I have never been asked that before. So thank you. <laughs> oh, no problem. Um, I would say the root of it, I can identify two paths for the root of where this passion comes from, right? So one is I was raised in a wonderful family where I had the privilege of some really strong female role models in a variety of ways. So like my grandma, Eleanor, was this fireball, fireball of energy, spoke her mind, didn't care who she was speaking to, like she was out there and she just, if she had something to say or she had an opinion about something like, or she saw something that was not right in terms of her perspective, she was going to let you know about it, right? So she was a fireball of energy. And even for her time, she broke gender norms based on things that she wanted to do in her life, right? Uh, and so that was one side. Then I had my grandma, Julie, also another very strong, wonderful woman in a completely different way. Very quiet, very diplomatic, but still a gender disruptor in her own right in terms of some paths that she took and choices that she made that went against the grain for what women were supposed to do during the time. And then we had women like, you know, some of my aunts who uh, I spent a lot of time with. I come from a, a pretty big Italian family and so we're always together, right? And so just seeing the way that they modeled how they lived their life and the way that they navigated different choices and spaces and places where they took up space and, and demanded respect for who they were as women. Um, and then of course my mom, who is this wonderful influence in my life and has been uh, a balance of all of those kind of things. Fiery when she needs to be, <laughs> diplomatic when she needs to be, and, and a consistent presence for modeling um, determination moving forward. So there's that aspect of, of seeing it modeled. And partly from that, and, and I was raised with mostly boys. I was the only girl amongst my brothers and my many cousins who were all boys. And so in that type of environment, you pick up and notice the way that boys are treated versus the ways that girls are treated. And I was constantly told things like by my own family, but also by folks in the community, oh, that's not for you. You're a girl. You, girls don't play football. Girls don't play hockey. Girls don't blah, blah, blah. And my default was, oh, you think so? Who are you to tell me I can't do that because I'm a girl? If my brothers are doing it, better believe that I want to be doing it as well. I'm so sorry. I'm going to try so hard not to swear. I have this swearing habit and almost slipped, slipped it's out. It's okay to swear on this show. You're <laughs> fine. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, so there was that element too of having uh, community speak different expectations for boys and girls, which I noticed from a very young age. And then that started me thinking about, I just became very conscious of noticing spaces where women are not present and where, where they are and where they are not. And so, um, for example, I just remember reading like the credits of TV shows that I would watch and think to myself and then question my parents and say, where are the women? Why is everyone that's listed here as a producer, as a this, as a that? It's like, they're all men. Where are the women? And so I just started paying attention to different things uh, like that and, and noticing, hmm, there's got to be something deeper to the fact that most of the positions of authority and positions of power are positions that men are in and women are not, right? So, so there's that kind of social aspect to it. But then, you know, Mark, I would also say 
I'm someone who identifies as a, as a Christian. And in this season of my life, I'm doing a lot of deconstructing of the Christian faith post-divorce now and, and thinking about many aspects of faith. But I would say that when I was growing up and reading the Bible and reading different passages and scriptures, to me, there's a very clear standard of equality and an affirmation of women throughout the scripture. And so for me, some of it is theological in terms of the desire that I think that God has for equality and for the rise and position of women, which often is, is not always taught in the church. Um, but I clearly saw themes of that in scripture. And so there's a theological element to it as well. So one thing I want to go back on, that was really great, by the way. One thing I want to go back on, what to you, since you saw this right in front of you, what would you say is the difference between a more introverted gender disruptor and a more extroverted? Mm, good question. Well, if you couldn't tell, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> I <laughs> did not pick up on that. And so for me, part of the extroverted gender disruptor is that woman who is willing to stand up, who's willing to speak up. And that doesn't that doesn't always mean standing on a front line somewhere with a picket sign, although that's incredibly important too, from a political perspective, using our collective power, harnessing the collective voice, that's how some levels of change happen. Sometimes though, it's having conversations. It's addressing things when you see them. And that could be as simple as the ads that, that are in magazines or on TV and questioning, why is the women posing that way? What does this ad really have to do? Why are they sexualizing this woman trying to sell you know, X product or whatever? So some of it is even just having questions that get to the root of understanding marketing and that marketing is driven by dollars and revenue uh, and then the layers that are connected to the objectification of women through marketing and how that plays into different aspects of culture. Sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's having conversation with when guys are just kidding around or your friends are just kidding around and they're making comments about a woman's body or a woman's potential or a woman's earning capacity. Don't stay silent. It's speaking up and it's, and it's addressing it right then and there rather than letting it go or just letting it roll off your back or, or just dealing or just not dealing with it at all. So from an extroverted perspective, I think those are some things that play into it. I would say if you're more of an introvert, Gender disruption could could simply be those acts of continuing to do what you do in the way that you do it, especially when it's counter to the norm. And so some women have a, a more of an approach where they say, I will lead by example. And that's powerful too, and that's okay. That's very well said, and I... I've you talk about all this. I try to envision what that might look like in my head. And I definitely, for as much as we need those who speak, I definitely think a lot can be said for the actions as well. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to just hear how both the extroverted and introverted, even if you're not feeling compelled to speak, that you can still work together and accomplish the goal. So that's exactly. amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's how most change happens, whether it's women's empowerment, whether, you know, no, whether it's creation care, whether it's environmental, you know, whatever the issue is, whatever the ism is, whatever the um, social justice 
aspect is. That's how change happens. It takes both top down and it takes grassroots up and it, it takes the collective working together in creative and creative ways to express voice and opinion and, and in some cases to demand uh, to demand change at, at both local, state, national level. I mean, it's all of those things. Sorry, I'm Italian, and so I I'm trying really hard to control my hands here. But oh no, no worries. Just, gonna... be, just be yourself. <laughs> this is a judgment-free zone. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so coming off of that. Why don't you tell me, since I don't actually really know a whole lot about your actual path, did you have any other passions, like anything that, you know, maybe you wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer, for example, or was there anything else that you wanted to do, or was this something you were pretty firm on making a difference on, and that was it? Well, it has certainly been a part of my life. It has been a thread that has woven, been woven throughout my life from a very young age. And I would say for me, it's, it's also been an evolution. The passion has always been there and the expression has taken many different forms. And at, at this point in my life, I feel like I have come full circle and I'm in the, the most alignment I've ever felt like I have been in in my life. For me, I, I knew from a young age that I wanted to make a difference in this world. And, and for me, the, the guiding motto of my life has always been, how can I help improve the quality of life for others, for others, for creation, for this world, period, right? In whatever that looks like. And so for me, when I graduated, I felt like my options were either the nonprofit sector, which to me made the most sense for uh, living a life committed to public service and making a difference in this world. I didn't see that the corporate sector was my thing, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, so I entered into the nonprofit sector and spent 20 years in the nonprofit, working for a variety of organizations, whether that was helping to address um, housing inequality, um, inequalities with education, whether that was human trafficking, anti-trafficking work, and addressing modern day slavery, um, and a whole host of other uh, areas. And then I went through burnout as a lot of executives do in the nonprofit sector. And I, in recovering from burnout, went through this season of just assessing what, one, how the hell did I get here? How did this happen? And what can this teach me, not only about myself, so I never end up in this situation again, but I also spent a lot of time developing self-care practices and self-reflection practices to figure out um, a little bit more about how I'm wired and what I wanted the next leg of my life kind of journey to look like. And from there, that's when I made the shift to becoming an entrepreneur and starting my own businesses. So first of all, I saw a lot about self-care on your website. What does self-care mean to you? Great question. So I, the framework of self-care that I teach and that I work through with all of my clients is a three-pillared approach. So there's the, there's the element of self-care related to your passions. And this is the the pillar that most people think of when you ask somebody their definition of self-care, they'll say, oh, it's going to the spa, it's getting a facial, it's going to a movie. And, and those are all helpful. And those are all incredibly important because they give an immediate fix. They give the immediate like sense of like relief and rejuvenation. And, and so I put that under the pillar of passion and that, and those activities are described as those things that you enjoy. 
and that give you an immediate boost of energy. And then there's the second pillar, which is related to your purpose. And that would be your professional pursuits and your career. And so that would be those types of activities that you enjoy attending or pursuing that will benefit your career and lead to hopefully advancement in your career or as a business owner, right? And so that could be listening to podcasts, that could be going to conferences and workshops, that could be taking a course of study at the local community college or whatever it might be, right? Um, And then to me, there's the third pillar and this one is the most important one and this is the work of the soul. Right. So this is implementing practices that help to uncover why you do what you do, why you respond the way that you do and and really dig into like your psyche and those pieces of yourself, recognizing that we're the sum total of all of our experiences. And we bring that to the table and to every conversation and to every situation every day. And so learning to understand how did we get here? Why do we respond the way we do? What's in us that might need to be um, up-leveled, healed, cleaned out, changed, right? And so that's the deeper work of self-care. And those are practices like meditation and journaling and gratitude that help bring us into those deeper places of understanding who we are so that we can not only change the things that we want to change about ourselves, but ultimately become more compassionate human beings. So when you had your phase of burnout and you came up from that and you started your own business, what what exactly was the process like for you and just maintaining self-care, especially while, you know, having your own business, obviously that's a very time consuming endeavor. So it's kind of like a two or three uh, part question there. So I would say it was first really hard to implement self-care because I was a person I had a plan, right? And so I had my plan and I knew where I was going to be in three months, six months, one year. And I had it all kind of fleshed out and worked out and I had my boxes to tick off and I had my things to accomplish and my goals to set and do. And productivity was incredibly important to me. And so when you take that away, in my case, a doctor literally said to me, you need to stop working and let your body reset and and through these different methods and ways, it was like ripping my arm off, right? And so I initially struggled with sitting still. I struggled with slowing the pace. I struggled with not being, quote, productive in the ways that I had come to know productivity, right? So moving through burnout, my initial self-care practices, because I had adrenal fatigue and needed recovery space, my initial self-care practices were simply sleep. <laughs> Anytime my body needed to like, and I, 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 I'm, I still can't believe how much time I slept in that first month or two after. And then it was reconnecting with hobbies that I enjoyed, like gardening and journaling and taking pictures things that that helped eliminate stress from my body. And that was the other piece of self-care for me was recognizing what are my stress triggers and what are the healthy ways of reducing stress from my life versus storing it and holding it right in, in, my, in my body and in my life. Um, so I had developed some three or four practices that became like my go-to and made a commitment to maintaining those. And so when I started my business, so my first business that I started was a 
specifically, it was a consulting business working with nonprofits, right? And I was really energized by that because I had spent 20 years in the nonprofit sector. And so I, I knew this, I know what I'm doing and, and I enjoy connecting with different organizations. And especially I love helping nonprofits raise money um, so they can continue doing their work and their incredibly important mission. So I was really energized by this, but I still had to work at blocking time regulating time and shifting the way that I engaged my business as an owner so that I didn't repeat those same patterns that led me into burnout. And so self-care has been a consistent presence in my life for, for many years now. And, and it's just so deeply ingrained. Um, and my mind has shifted so much that I'm really grateful. I, I know it might sound weird, but I'm really grateful for that experience because I have grown and changed so much as a result of it. And self-care is so important. And I personally, over the years, I know myself, especially with me working, like getting up so early, working, commuting, I make sure at least on most days to block off some time just to even play on a Nintendo Switch for a half hour, hour, just to kind of give myself that escape and release. And it's so important to do that and to just stay in touch with yourself. And I actually would like to know, do you feel that you lost like touch with yourself over the years from how much you were working? Absolutely. Especially those last three or four years that were a, a really difficult experience for, for many reasons. I certainly do feel like there were pieces of myself that I lost, that I forgot, that I let go of for the sake of the work and the mission and the purpose of the organizations that I was involved with. And so part of my journey through self-care has been tapping back into those areas. And for me, one of those has been tapping back into my passion specifically for women's empowerment. And that's what led me to create this second business of mine, which is now women's empowerment coaching. So yes, I mean, it's, you've probably noticed this throughout your life too. We, we go through seasons that just become, we become absorbed and out of balance. And when you're out of balance, it's easy to make concessions. And then as a result of that, it's easy to slide into ways that we put ourselves on the back burner. And that's certainly what happened and, and part of what led to my burnout. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about your women's empowerment uh, endeavors. Um, what kind of people or women generally come to you for help? Or is it pretty mixed? That's, that's a really like vague question, I guess. But. No, it's not at all. It's not at all. So there are um, a variety of women that come. And so some because so the, the pillars of my work and the areas that I focus on um, are intentional in that they attract a, a broad range of women. And so I, as a women's empowerment coach, part of what I do is I guide women through the process of divorce having gone through that myself and clearly experienced where the gaps are in terms of support and care. I, I, so I want, that's one aspect. I guide women through the separation and divorce process. I also guide women through life transitions, unexpected and sudden life transitions that come up, whether that's related to health crisis or whether that's related to a financial crisis or that's a forced job change. Right. And then it's, it's, fun and planned experiences like changing career, 
or change or starting a business. Um, and, and so guiding women and mentoring women through that process. And then I also, I still work with nonprofits that, that will always be a part of my passion and what I do. But now I have my focus is specifically on partnering with nonprofits that serve women or girls or anyone who identifies as a woman. And so I work with those nonprofits. So, um, so I, I serve them in a variety of capacities. Obviously the nonprofits, what I'm mostly doing is strategic planning, fundraising, of course, and then um, branding and messaging and trying to figure out operations in the COVID world, right? Because it's completely changed the landscape for many nonprofits. And then for women who are going through life transitions, I have a very specific framework, the Sparrow framework that I walk women through. And so there's seven different steps to that that can be applied to um, guiding them through this season of this unexpected season of life that brings clarity and more control to them. And just to be clear, you yourself are not a nonprofit. You're just partnering with them. That is correct. I operate a for-profit. I operate an LLC. I come out of the nonprofit sector, but I am not a nonprofit. I partner with nonprofits in a consulting capacity. So I asked this question of somebody in an episode I did a week or two ago, mm-hmm. and I'm going to ask you as well, what was the process like for you to develop an LLC? You know, it was surprisingly very easy. And I talk about this all the time. Well, not all the time, but I talk about this as one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about helping, especially younger women, start a business of their own. Is because when I was growing up, I felt like starting a business was not something that was achievable or attainable, right? I felt like you had to have a, a lot of wealth already generated to start a business or you you inherited a family business and that's how you went into, into business, right? I felt the same way. Right? And yeah. I wish that someone had told my younger self, Susan, it's so easy to start a business. I mean, in terms of financial capacity and capital, it is easy to start a business. Then you have to do the work, right, of running the business. But looking back throughout my life, I clearly see I had the entrepreneurial spirit (laughs) and heart and grit and determination. And that's why I was so successful in the nonprofit sector, because I thought outside of the box, I was a very creative thinker and very strategic um, and and great at building relationships and collaborations. And so for me, part part of my passion is helping younger women in particular start their own business, recognizing that you know, it's a couple of documents that you have to submit to, to your your state, right? And then you, you then you're good to go. And it, the cost is relatively minimal to to start it. Then there's obviously the work of maintaining it, expanding it, scaling it, and and running it. Um, so it's been so I I have two LLCs that I operate, um, and so it is an exciting adventure and journey. Yeah, I am in a, at a point here, obviously, at this point, I don't, like, make anything off of doing this, but mm-hmm. the idea of starting an LLC is something that's been on my mind, and I am really surprised by how easy the process really is. It's not hard. I think the hardest part is what many of us are doing, which is trying to build ourselves up and mm-hmm. doing all of that type of work. Actually applying for an LLC and getting it approved is easy. Yes, yes. And so I, I established one business in Chicago, Illinois, and then established my second business. So then I moved and I'm here in Massachusetts now. And here I, in Massachusetts, I did work with an attorney 
because the requirements are a little bit different and I wanted to make sure that I've crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's and had everything set up legit. Um, and so I did work with a local attorney here that specializes in both um, business startup and nonprofit startup as well. And in Illinois, it was an incredibly easy process as well in terms of just downloading a few forms and then, you know, submitting everything online. And the, and the rep, I worked through those forms with one of the representatives on the phone. We chatting like we're old friends. We're on the phone for like an hour talking about my life and, and what I do in her life. And so by the end of that call, I the paperwork was already submitted. And so um, just to a really wonderful and, and easy process. And it's really interesting. I want to go back to what you were saying about just how far-fetched it seemed to do something like that, just to be an entrepreneur, to have your own LLC or company. I had the same viewpoint as you, where it's like only rich people are entrepreneurs, <laughs> You have to like have that passed down to you. Mm -hmm. That's like so far fetched to do that. And much like you, I wish that at least 10 years ago it had really hit me the way it wound up hitting me, I guess, about three to five years ago mm -hmm. is when I really started to realize that, hey, I can do more than just try to climb up the corporate ladder and yes. there's nothing wrong with that you can mm -hmm. do really good things and become something like really good but I feel like the more I'm doing this show and the more I'm meeting people like you the more I'm realizing wow I actually have a lot in common with all these entrepreneurs because I have always felt kind of like my own person and that's not to say I'm not good at teamwork or I can't right. coexist in an office and do well in that regard. I mean, I feel like I've done very well in that aspect, but there's just always been a part of me. And I think it's only something that you can like see yourself. You just see it and you know that you, you just need to be off doing your own thing a little more and that's exactly what i'm trying to accomplish now and i i totally relate to that perspective like wholeheartedly so if you don't mind me asking what are you thinking of like what do you want to do what do you want to create a business to do well that's a very good question so I got this podcast going, which is <laughs> awesome. I would also like to be like a consultant mm. of some sort because mm -hmm. I have such a technical background. Yes. Mm -hmm. But there's so many people doing entrepreneurial, no, I can't even talk, entrepreneurial endeavors. Maybe they're trying to do video content or whatever but they don't really have the background they don't know what equipment to use or what sounds good what sounds bad and i hate saying all this because maybe somebody will be listening they'll be like well your podcast doesn't sound as good as it, it could or should but i if you saw my work area for this i mean i'm working on a pretty small budget. Mm -hmm. I know I could be doing a lot more than what I'm doing, but starting up, it's like a pretty small budget. But I feel, you know, putting all that aside and apologizing, I guess, um, I feel like that's something I'd be really good at. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I, I'd like to become an actual not that this isn't me being a speaker, but I'd like to be like a speaker speaker mm -hmm. and actually go out there and speak at events and do things like that. And I'd like to start one or two other podcasts. I have a couple ideas of what I'd like to do. Okay. So you've got the bug. You've got it too. <laughs> I do very much so. Uh-huh. I say 
Go for it. I am always a proponent that's going to encourage people to, once they've tapped into their passion and know it, follow it and, and make a plan to, to bring it to life. And that's part of it too, right? It's not that, not that we are people who don't work well with others. There is certain, and for me, I love collaboration and I love team building and I, I have always created incredibly fun environments for staff and volunteers and, and folks that I've worked with. But at the same time, there was always a little piece of me that was like, I just want to be my own boss. I just want to do the things that in my gut I know are right and that I don't have to check with 10 other people to do, right? Like I want yeah. to be able to follow my gut. I want to be able to offer the things that, that and serve in the ways that I want to serve this world and make those kinds of connections. And so I am, I do not regret making the transition to becoming a, a business owner and an entrepreneur at all. Well, one of the things that I want, I want to work my ass off for like four days, be burned out on the week and just say, you know what? I'm taking Friday off just because I can. Just because you can. <laughs> That's exactly it. I know that you got to work a lot harder than that. Yes. But yes. In most cases, but I want to have that kind of flexibility. I want to be able to schedule meetings and stuff around making dinner. I want to have that kind of lifestyle and flexibility. Mm -hmm. I feel like working in an office, being boxed in, that's just not really for me. Like I, I need a little more flexibility and freedom mm -hmm. in my life. And I think that would be perfect for me, perfect avenue. And I actually had a little bit of a taste of working from home a few years ago, mm -hmm. I had a few months where I was just freelance writing for a while. Hmm. And that's all I did. I did not have an office job for a few months. And it was amazing just working from home, working on the freelance writing and being able to make meals when I wanted to, to, you know what? I'm feeling really tired. I need like, a half hour nap just to be able to do stuff like that it changed my life absolutely right the simple little things for ourselves and then what I also find is I value the flexibility be because it enables me to engage in my community too in ways that I wouldn't be able to with the traditional nine to five and so for example like with since the onset of the pandemic I have been shopping, grocery shopping for folks in my community who uh, just either didn't initially feel comfortable going out um, or they are, they're, most of them are older adults and so they have health issues and they had, uh, you know, other concerns. And so um, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I had a traditional or like the other week when we were supposed to record and I had reached out to you and said, I'm so sorry, I have a neighbor that has a situation that has come up, right? And you were so gracious and said, no problem, we'll reschedule. And so if I, you know, if I, there have been other events like that where I can be present for people in my community when they have a need um, or I can attend the local, um, well, not in person because they're not in person, but I can attend Zoom meetings and Zoom events for organizations that civic organizations that I partner with and that I belong to that I wouldn't be able to participate in if I had traditional nine to five. And so, which doesn't mean that we're not working our asses off and we're not working hard and that, you know, it's not like, you know, I get up at 11 and I work till three. No, it's not that type of life, but there is a different set of flexibility that working as a, a business owner for yourself affords you that a traditional nine to five does not. So you spoke of the pandemic well, at least once or twice here in our time, how has the pandemic affected business and how you're doing things? 
Good question, <laughs> right? Because we're all we're all going through it, right? And as whether we own our own businesses or we're in corporate sector or nonprofit, like it has completely changed the game now. Um, I will say initially, I, I had both a in-office job while also building my base of clients since I had just moved to Massachusetts in uh, January of 2020, right? And then shelter in place went into effect in March. And immediately I was let go from that job. And within three weeks after that, I lost all of my nonprofit clients. And so for most of 2020, I was unemployed because at that time, my sole clientele were nonprofits who under all of these lockdown orders are not operational, right? And, and are not receiving funding and donations and are scrambling. So immediately what I did is I just put out a bunch of videos on how to try and navigate through this situation. And I also reached out and, and also offered free coaching sessions to any nonprofit nationwide and to talk about whatever they needed. And so through that, I would say about 20 organizations reached out to me over the course of a month or two. And, and, and we had multiple calls in terms of let's put together an emergency fundraising strategy. Let's put together a communication strategy. Let's figure out how do you stay in touch with your program participants when everyone is at home now, right? And how do you maintain lines of communication? How do you shift your operations from in-house to virtual? So we, you know, I offered a lot of support on the back end that way. Um, and then once lockdown and shelter in place orders started rolling out and, and lifting, I had a number of nonprofit clients over the summer last year come up. And so and then in the context of that, I also made a, a pivot in my life and started focusing on women's empowerment in particular. So it has been a year of, for many, a year of pivot and a year of deeper alignment and assessment and a year of changes. So from a business perspective, that's how I moved through um, 2020. <laughs> Wow, that's what, what an amazing story and good for you for really adjusting and being so flexible. That's amazing. We have to be. We have to be to, to get through this. And, and, you know, and again, I know I talk about it a lot, but self-care really helped me get through some really difficult situations in 2020, right? So without income, for most of 2020, I then experienced food insecurity for many months. And then um, partly related to that came down with this health issue that then required surgery. And so it, it was a year of external transitions for me and external events for me. And so I certainly had a choice in every single one of those situations of how am I going to respond to this? And, and so for me, the, the processing of every event from a self-care perspective, but also from a personal growth perspective has been, I've asked myself the same three questions, right? What can, what does this experience have to teach me? What can I learn about myself through this experience? And how can I use this experience to expand my compassion for other people? And so moving through all of those situations um, while it was an incredibly challenging year, again, I feel like um, I wouldn't change a thing that happened. I totally agree. And when you talk about 2020, I know this podcast wasn't necessarily born in March of last year. It was actually an idea that I came up with I think in 2019, like second half of 2019, mm -hmm. took me a while to get all the equipment and stuff I needed. But as I went through just thinking about 
how this was going to go. The way it's going this year is the way I pictured it going last year. Mm-hmm. And because of the pandemic, it totally did not go that way because I had to share my office with my wife who was working from home. Mm-hmm. So I could only do so many episodes. And then with everything going on, I had to practice my own self-care, mm-hmm. which meant lots of me watching HBO Max and doing things like that. Mm-hmm. And frankly, because of how everything was going, I didn't even know if I was going to pick this podcast up again mm-hmm. in 2021. Mm-hmm. And I think everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I think the two months or so that I kind of just shut down and looked within and I even, there was some kind of like coaching therapy thing that I signed up for. It was for like an eight week period. Mm-hmm. Great. I would, yeah, I would meet with a coach one day over the phone. The next day, the therapist just kind of talking about, you know, my goals, the, the focus wasn't necessarily on anything that happened in the past or the future. It was just, what are your goals now? And just by doing all that, not only did I find my passion for all of this again, but I really got to the heart of what I needed, which was Mm -hmm. that Mm self-care. And I think that's why when I looked at your site and I saw how much you're emphasizing self-care, mm-hmm. that really meant a lot to me. And obviously it turned out to be a good thing because I wound up putting my ad in that group and all of a sudden everything was going the way I had hoped it would go in 2020. So everything happens for a reason. And sometimes when we're going through it, we're like, crap, like we feel like it's a failure, right? We feel like we, the vision that we had is not coming to fruition. So we feel like either we're a failure or maybe it wasn't the right thing or, you know, and that's not often the case, right? It's, well, one, I I personally don't believe in this definition that we have of, of failure and, and the fear that we have of, of failing um, because in a failure is only a failure if you choose to not learn and grow through the experience, right? We learn so much about ourselves and about life through these, um, quote, failures that we have. Um, so I love that you, in your own life, took the step of recognizing the self-care that you needed and and also recognizing that it seemed like you were in a little place where you were you were stuck and and needed help to get un, unstuck right and so reaching out to that coaching service was a wonderful experience for you because it created the space for you to internally self-reflect and tap back into those areas of passion for you yeah which then gave you movement forward it was amazing and i highly recommend anybody who's feeling stuck in the way i felt stuck to do it right because we've we've all been there we've all we whatever the situation like we have so and this is why you know i appreciate coming on um podcasts like this with hosts like you who just talking about life experience, right? We we all have these experiences in our life where we get, we're stuck for one reason or another. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that. Like there's, the question then is, what do we do when we're there? And how do we move through that? Hopefully in a way that allows us to process how did we get here and why are we here? But then like, how do we move forward? And so- finding external resources and support. We all need support at different times in our life. And so, yeah. Well, I think the reason that I'm molded the way I am and I'm not like super macho and alpha and, you know, afraid to really come out and be open about this stuff Mm -hmm. is just because of 
my path and my life experience just mm-hmm. being born with not only a cleft lip and palate but the syndrome that kind of came with it mm-hmm. I've had my battles and my ups and downs and I think when I meet people like you who really stand for a civil right empowerment and you know topics like that Mm-hmm. Even though I may not be a woman, mm-hmm. I may be a white male, but I feel like in my own way, I can kind of like relate and I get kind of like the perspective and where a lot of people like you are coming from. Mm-hmm. And I love having these types of conversations. So I knew when I met you and kind of got to see what you were about what you stood for, I knew this would be like a really great episode for me. So. Thank you. That is so kind. And I'm going to really not be misty here, but <laughs> thank you oh, so no. much. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> no, no, it's good because, you know, one of the things that I constantly say is that um, as women, we're often taught to like deflect our emotions and not to, sh- especially if, if we're crying for whatever reason, right? Which I think is, again, bullshit. Like we, we have this wonderful complex and, and all of us do this. We're given these emotions for a reason. And so in sharing what you share, I am completely humbled and, and grateful that you have such kind things to to say and um all of our conversations both off camera and and tonight have been really wonderful um and so just easy easy flowing in terms of our just we're just sharing life and talking about experience right and then the the desire is that your audience sees themselves in our conversations and knows like they're not alone and that that there are other people out there that are supportive and encouraging and and that they take that they find hope and inspiration too. Well I'm glad you feel like this conversation's flowing well because there are days like this I go do an episode and I'm so tired from the day and I'm just like oh man I I hope this goes as well as I'm drawing it up in my head. And then I had that super creative intro that I just had to nail it. And that didn't help. But yeah, I I have really enjoyed talking to you. I'm not quite done with you yet because I feel like I didn't give you enough time to talk about uh, your actual services because I'm looking at your site and Obviously, you did mention some of this stuff. Like, we talked a lot about self-care. You're a divorce coach. And mm-hmm. you have, like, the self-care summit. Oh, yes. Self-care mm-hmm. secrets masterclass. Mm-hmm. Business startup. Uh, do you want to take a few moments to talk about all that? Sure. So, the last Monday of every month, I host a self-care secrets masterclass. And that's really a conversation and a time for people to come and learn about this thing called self-care. What is it? Why is it important? What does it look like? It's a free masterclass and you can sign up for it on my website. Because again, one of my pillars to my business is self-care and weaving that through everything, right? Um, And then we've already talked about the divorce coaching and the life coaching that I do with women who are going through transitions in their life. And I have a framework for that. And that comes in both um, group coaching, eight month group coaching, or it's one-on-one coaching for those women who prefer to work directly. And then I offer business startup coaching because, again, I am so passionate about especially helping younger women who know that corporate sector is not their thing and they want to be their own boss and they have this passion, but they just don't know how to funnel it into a viable business. And so I um, work with those women who are looking to establish a business of their own. And and that's like a 12 week 
program that we work on together. And at the end of that, they have a complete business plan and they have the framework set out as well as a couple of services identified for their business. Um, and then depending on what state they're in, I help connect them to resources so they can file <laughs> for their LLC or whatever type of business they want to establish, right? Um, and then what else do I have? Oh, the self-care summit. Yes. So I am so excited about this. This will be in June and it's a four hour live event. I so wish that it could be in person, but um, next year I will aim for a live in-person event next year. This year it is virtual. And again, it's, it's open to women who are going through any type of life situation or who are just feeling like they've had enough of dealing with the pressures from COVID. They're just stressed. They're tired. They're anxious. You know, they're just tired of all the feels and they recognize self-care is important, but may not know what do I do? How do I start? And so uh, in addition to the basics, we're also, I have a lineup of speakers that are coming and they're going to share wonderful stories of how self-care has impacted their lives and um, different ways. Like one woman is, is a mom of six. And so she's going to share how, how she has implemented some practices of self-care and give tips for the busy moms who are doing all the things on how to find the space and time to start small and then continue to grow. Um, so yes, that is on my website as well. You can register for that. Oh, and speaking of, I just want to do this little plug because I was so impacted by food insecurity last year and food insecurity is such and continues to be an issue right now. A portion of the proceeds from the self-care summit will be donated to local food banks in my area in Massachusetts as well. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So they can all I, I got to just completely dismiss what you just said, but they can all find this out at SusanTrippy.com, correct? That is correct, yes. And I'll spell that for your audience too. It's www.susantrippi.com. And is there any other ways that uh, anybody can get a hold of you or consult yes. with you? Come find me on Instagram. The handle there is at Susan Trippy Coaching. Um, I hang out there a lot and offer a lot of behind the scenes. And you can also catch me on Facebook at Susan Trippy Coaching as well. Is there anything about women's empowerment that you want to say in this episode that has gone unsaid? I feel like I should have something at the ready, right? <laughs> um, I, you know what? I think we've, we've have covered a lot and I, rather than saying something just for the sake of saying something, nope, I'm going to be okay with letting the moment slip by. I can appreciate that. I know I put you on the spot a little bit with that. <laughs> I just, I feel like there was so much variety here. Mm -hmm. I almost kind of felt like we didn't spend enough time on that. So that is why I asked. And well, one thing that I did like, and I should probably give you a follow. Well, oh yeah, I am logged in here. I'm looking at your Instagram. Mm -hmm. I like what you posted today, which mm -hmm. was sometimes you just need someone to listen not fix you, not give solutions, but just listen, yeah. really listen. Yeah. And I, I love that. I thought that was a great quote. And that's something that I know speaks to me as somebody who has kind of felt like I wasn't always like being heard or listened to. Mm -hmm. That just really, you know, got me. And I wanted to make sure that that got mentioned. So any particular reason you posted that? Yes, you know, I, I, in going through different life experiences and in working with a variety of clients who are going through 
life situations of all kinds, there, there is a common theme and thread of feeling like people speak at us rather than really listening. And, and when you're going through something that is so deep that, that your world is tipped upside down, it makes sense that friends and family want to give you advice and say, you should do this and you should do that and you should do this and do this and have you thought about this and, and all the things. And oftentimes that's not what the person needs. Really what we just need is for someone to just hold space for us and let us just be. And whatever that looks like on that day, whether we're a weepy mess or whether we're angry or whether we're sad or whether we don't know what we are, but we're something, right? Like we just need someone to hold space and say the simple thing, I love you, I care for you, I'm here for you. No judgment no platitudes, like just holding space. And so um, I was just, I was thinking back to a conversation that I had with a friend who didn't agree with some of my life choices in, in moving through with my divorce. And I was thinking back to the number of people that I had to step back from at different parts of my life because they were coming at me from a place of judgment rather than a place of just listening and care, right? And so that's partly what sparked that quote today was just the recognition that um, we're all going through so much under this pandemic, right? And then the, the women that I work with who are going through so much, who just need a listening ear and, and so some of it, you know, I, I had the dual, duality of this is how you can help a friend going through something. And then if you are going through something, this is how you can set up boundaries around conversation. And that was intentional because as friends and family, sometimes we just don't know what to do. We feel like we have to do something. We feel like we have to say something. And so I was trying to give space to say, no, you don't. You don't have to fix anything. This isn't, it's not your journey it's not your situation. It's the person's journey. It's their situation. So ask those reflective questions that help them process the experience rather than you telling them what they need to do. And then, and then for folks who are going through something, I tried to offer a few tips on how can you set up boundaries in your conversations that help to protect your emotional state, your mental well-being, and clearly set an expectation of what's acceptable in the course of the conversation, especially when you're dealing with those repeat people that just want to tell you what to do <laughs> rather than enter into space with you. So. Well, Susan, that is the closer I think I was looking for. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. I've had a wonderful time tonight. Thank you. All right, everybody. This was Susan Trippy. She's a woman, women's empowerment coach. And I'm Mark Schmidt. This was Mark My Words. And I'll be back with a new episode soon. Thanks. <laughs>